This is my tribe. 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 What's up? Welcome to the Tribe Night Messages podcast. Tribe Night is for students who are curious about faith and eager to discover how a relationship with Jesus could change their lives, their schools, and the heartland. For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text tribe to 94000. Hope you enjoy the message. everybody else? Good, good. Just just eh, kind of in the middle. That's okay. At least you're honest. Vincent, I'm happy to see you, man. I don't get to see you often anymore. You're hiding from me all the time, which is tough because you're tall, so. Yeah. Didn't you get COVID like 17 times? <laughs> Well, as TiVo kind of introduced a little bit, this series could have a little little awkwardness to it. It could be a little weird um, for some of us to talk about, and even for your leaders that are in this room, don't think they find it any less awkward than you do. Um, don't think I find it any less awkward to be on stage talking about something like that. But the necessity of it is real. It's not something that we have to just skate over because it might make us feel a little funny whenever we talk about it. But before we get too far into it, I want to talk about, I want to talk about some movies. Let's just talk about movies. No, not, yeah. Raise, <laughs> raise your hand if you, like, if you like Marvel movies. Marvel movies? Okay. What about if you're like the scary movie kind of horror film kind of people? I can't watch those. Can't watch those. What about uh, Disney movies? Got Disney fans in here? Always Disney fans. Huh? Yeah. What about just like an action-packed movie? We're talking like Fast and the Furious, that kind of thing. Okay. Star Wars, that's really weird, that movie's not that fun, none of them are, but I'm glad you guys enjoy them, that's good, what, how many of you in the room don't like, you just don't really like movies, you don't watch them, there's always one, always one, or how many of you are the people who you say you really like movies, but then about 30 minutes in you're asleep? Because my wife's not wave, raising her hand right now, and she's lying. 
we finished probably, we've been together for like eight years, and we probably finished two movies ever together. So, yeah. I personally, I really love movies. I love all kinds of them. If you ask me about movies, I'm going to go on and on and on. I have my top 50 favorites and this and that. I think they're fun. I think they're some of the best ways to spend time to kind of enjoy myself. Outside of music, it's probably my favorite thing, entertainment-wise, is movies. I've watched more than I can count. Now think about, like, let's think about your favorite movie trailer now, okay? So they all, there's always movie trailers, and they're short, and they're quick. Sometimes the movie trailers are like super fun to watch. Like you're going to the movies, you're sitting there in the theater, and there's this trailer that comes up, and you're like, dang, that, that thing looks sick. I want to go see that movie. These action movies that cut to black before you get to see what happens, and you're like, well, I have to know what happens next. I got to go see that movie. Or the comedy movies that have all the, all the hilarious one-liners that are in the trailer, and you're like, that movie is going to kill it. It's going to be so funny. I have to make sure I go see it. Or then the, the ones that I avoid, like scary movies, because I'm a scaredy cat. But regardless, those ones where it's like the scary trailers, where it's a jump scare in there, and you're, some of you think that's really cool. Some of you are like, oh, wow, I can't wait to go get into that. Not me, but it's to each their own. But they pack all this, all this great stuff, right? All this stuff that makes you really want to see a movie. They tell you all the good stuff about it, all into just a two- or three-minute trailer. Just great stuff, makes you want to see the real movie. You just can't wait. Even if you've never seen the movie, the previews of it always, they kind of leave you wondering afterwards, like, what's that movie really going to be about? But here's what I know for a fact, is that the story, there's always more to it than what we see in the trailers. Always more to it than what we see in the trailers. It wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense for the trailer to kind of have everything in it, right? Or you wouldn't go pay to see it. Or you wouldn't have to go rent the movie. Or you wouldn't spend the two and a half hours. It wouldn't make any sense if the two to three minute trailer basically told you, hey, here's the plot. Just wanted to let you know this is who dies and I hope you come see it. It's just not going to happen. The whole story in that two to three, print, two to three minute preview is just not going to be there. But also I bet that you guys have had this experience. I've had it a lot of where we do see a trailer, it looks like it could be like a really good movie. Like there's that really cool scene in it, or especially with comedy movies where they put like the one good joke that was in the movie in the trailer. Then you go and see the movie and you're like, yeah, there was more to the story, but it sucked. Like it wasn't a good story. The most action-packed and like the funniest and like the scariest movies in history, then we watch them. That's what it makes it seem like. We watch a trailer like, this is going to be the best thing you've ever seen, and it's just kind of, eh. For the next few weeks, we're going to kind of talk about something that is along these lines. We're going to talk about things that are really similar to kind of what you would consider a movie trailer. Something that, where there's parts of it that we feel like we all have an idea about. Like we feel like, we kind of get it. Parts of life where we see in culture almost everywhere we look, no matter where we're going, you can see it. You see little trailers of it, little pieces of it. And there's often way more to the story than what we see. Way more to the story than what the, the preview has for you, both good and bad. 
And we all kind of know something, but there's way more to the story. And today, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to jump into what we, what, that there's more to the story about sex. We're going to be talking about sex. And trust me, I get it. It's weird. Like, we're in church and we're talking about sex. It's not necessarily the number one place that most of you probably think that that's where that happens at, right? Heck, it can be weird to talk about literally anywhere. Like, ask a parent if he has to have the talk with his kids. He doesn't act like he's super excited to do it. Like, it's awkward to talk about. And so we think about the fact that it is actually... It's literally everywhere we look in our lives. No matter where you go, you're going to hear about sex. You're going to see sex. There's going to be something that is pointing toward sex. Singers sing about it. Rappers rap about it. Netflix shows absolutely don't avoid it. Magazines at the grocery store talk about sex straight on the cover. You're just trying to go through the line with, right next to your mom and you're just looking over there and you're like, why does that have to be here with us right now? There it is. Movies, they use it as their main selling point most of the time. Get people to come see it. They show things that make people see sex. Like, oh, that's what I, I'm going to go watch that movie. That looks like it could be good. It taught us, it's taught in school. It's joked about with our friends. And some of you may wish your families would stop trying to talk about it. Some of you have parents who are always trying to bring it up and always trying to tell you about it and this and that. Yeah, I get it. And some of you are probably thinking right now, like right this very second, you're thinking, I've gone on this long, and you're like, I know exactly what you're going to say to me, so just stop. I already know what you're going to tell me. This is pointless. We've heard it before. Even if you haven't been church or in church or around church for a super long time, you kind of have this idea, and you've probably been around church people, right, who have, and you've seen it, or you've seen the really weird, like, I don't know if you guys have seen the weird Christian TikTok accounts that are on there, and no matter what, somehow they make some normal song turn into like a Jesus song, and you're like, what is going on? This is not normal. Why are people doing this? It's weird. But you, you have enough of this idea that God cares a lot about sex in our lives. Because we hear about it, but we also hear about it at church, and it seems like it's one of those topics that's kind of taboo sometimes. In fact, maybe you're one of those people that think God absolutely hates sex. You just think he hates it. Or God is mad about sex. He just he doesn't want anything to do with it. He, he's angry at sex. He hates it, wish it wasn't around. Or God only cares about virginity. That's all he cares about. It's just, that's the end of the story. Stop. And all of that is actually true when it brings up more questions like this. When that's all true, it brings up these kind of questions. Is it bad that I'm thinking about it. Is it bad that I want to do it? Can I do, can I do everything but actual sex? 
So like everything else, but not the real thing, right? Or I know people who have had sex, and none of them got hurt or died, so is it really like that big of a deal? Like they seem fine. It's whatever. Or I've had sex. So does that mean I'm doomed forever? Does that mean God looks at me differently now? He looks down on me. What if it wasn't my choice and someone else made the choice for me? What does God say about that? What does God think about that? What am I supposed to do now? Or I can't even get a guy or a girl interested in me. So why do I even have to hear this? Clayton, quit laughing. (laughs) So trust me, sex isn't a temptation for me. I can't even get a guy or a girl to talk to me. So I can just skip this series, and I'll come back after it's over. You guys let me know when you're done. Don't need to hear it. And I get it. Like, this is a really, really loaded topic. There's way more to it than just the three-letter word. And sometimes it can feel like it's the only thing that God cares about in our lives. Just one act or one mistake. But as we get started, I want you to know, and I want you to really get it and get this accurate picture, that the truth is is that when it comes to God's plan for sex, there's more to the story. And here's what should be really encouraging, at least it is to me is that we can actually find guidance to like our very real modern-day questions that we have about sex today by looking at the wisdom of like people who lived thousands of years ago doing and thinking the same exact things that we think today. In fact, people back then were asking some of the very, very same questions that go through your minds each and every day about this topic. And we're going we're gonna to look at a letter from the Apostle Paul. We've talked about Paul before. But he wrote a letter to the people of Corinth. And because of where it was located, people, people passed through Corinth all the time, right? Like it was kind of like an epicenter of things to happen. They stopped there while they were traveling. It had a lot of places to just hang out and do whatever you wanted. It was kind of a party town. Corinth was... It was known for being the place for people to just party, misbehave, do whatever they wanted, then wake up the next day and get to wherever they were headed. It's just a stop along the way to do whatever you wanted. And even though these people lived 2,000 years ago, they still acted a lot like people do today in the way that they did things and how they operated, how they thought. Some of the people living in Corinth also had questions about, you know, what it meant to follow someone like Jesus, to actually follow Jesus. So Paul, Paul writes this letter that covers all sorts of different topics. It's not just about sex, but he did have a lot to say about the topic of sex because he knew it was important to them and he knew it was important to God. And the way he starts this portion of this letter, we need to pay attention to it. He says, I have the right to do anything. And that was in 1 Corinthians 6.12. This is where he starts, okay? Kind of weird sounding, maybe not what you expected just to hear. But he's actually, he's quoting this really common phrase that was in Corinth all the time. 
these guys used to say it in their culture of basically it was the easy way of how Leighton always says, I do what I want. Like, I don't, if you know Leighton, you know he said it plenty of times. I do what I want. That was their motto. That was how they lived. And Paul was coming in, and he started this big verse off with, I have the right to do anything. And then he goes on, and he says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. And that ends 6.12. See, Paul speaks right into this, this Corinthian culture. They feel like they can do whatever they want. They do what they want. They have freedom. It's their lives. They do what they want. And in our world today, it basically is like saying, look, I know it's, I know it's popular to do what you're feeling just because you can, like, doesn't mean you need to. Doesn't mean you should. In a particular sexual culture at the time, Paul, he reminds these Corinthians that just because you can do something, that doesn't mean it's the best thing for your life. It doesn't mean it's the best thing for you to do. And the same thing is true about sex today. It didn't stop there with what Paul's letter said. He was writing it for them, but it applies to us today. Some of our lives would be so much easier, so much easier and so much less complicated and so much less stressful if we just stop asking, can I do this without getting in trouble? About anything. Or, can I do this without, without getting caught? Can I get away with it? Instead, if we started asking, is this good for me? Is this the best thing for my life? In fact, learning to think about what's best over what's simply normal is kind of part of becoming a mature person. It's part of growing up. And you guys are all in a stage right now of where you're young, but you're maturing. And in a few years, you're going to be adults, and you're going to be out on your own. And this is one of those things where whenever we can decide the difference between doing something that just feels right or doing something that is actually good for who we are. But you see, there's more to the story than just us. More to the story than just helping ourselves out in this situation. Because whether you're sexually active, thinking about someone sexually, or consuming sexual content on a screen somewhere, there is almost always, 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 always someone else involved. It's not just you you have to worry about. So we can't just think about ourselves when it comes to this topic. We can be selfish this topic, you can't, you can't be selfish. Yes, we should be asking, is this best for me? Is this best for me? But we may be able to talk ourselves into something that we think is good for us or is best for us, is right for who we are, even though it could be detrimentally harmful to someone else. 
we really want to, like, get this right, if we want to do it the right way, we need to go further instead of asking, is this best for me? We need to ask, and even though it sounds goofy, we need to ask, is this best for, is this best for we? Is this best for me and the other person involved? This way of thinking isn't optional if you call yourself a Christian. And that's just me being blunt. Thinking about other people and caring for other people is what Jesus told us we are supposed to do. In fact, when Jesus was asked what's most important in this life, part of his answer was, love your neighbor as yourself. His own words. Something might feel good or it might feel right for you in the moment. But if it's not good for your future or the future of the person you're doing with, then it's out. Get rid of it. If it's something, you know, it's fine for you, but you don't don't know or you can't possibly know if it's going to be harmful to another person, then it's crossing the line. And a lot of you are probably thinking, like, Oh, this is, this is just what our pastor is supposed to say. We've heard it before. We get it. Don't have sex. We're in high school. We're supposed to wait. Trust me. I thought the same thing about my student pastor whenever I was in high school. Every single time we had one of these series, I dreaded it. So I was like, dude, we've heard it before. I don't need to hear it again. I, I already know what you're trying to say. But the truth is we're talking about human beings, people with feelings, people we're supposed to love. And if we treat this topic like it's meaningless or it's old news just because we want to have a good time, you can seriously hurt and potentially deeply scar someone's life or your own. You see, Jesus was so clear about what God is like. How you treat people and how they treat you is a really, really big deal to him. Like it's the biggest of deals to Jesus. He doesn't hate sex. He's not trying to hide it from you. He doesn't want you to not know that it exists. But he wants you to become the kind of person who loves him, loves people, and looks out for the best interests of others because of him. And here's what's crazy. Your dating life and your relationships would actually be better by doing this. Genuinely, they would. God doesn't put these things and these parameters in your life to make your life harder or to make you feel guilty all the time or to scare you. Everything that he has said is to make your life better, to take away the stress, to take away all the feelings that you don't need to have as a 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old, heck, any age. And how do I know this? How do I know? Because this is what everybody wants, right, when it comes to relationships. We all want to be in the kind of relationship where each person is looking out for each other, for the best interest of each other. We all 
want mutual love. We all want respect. And we all want someone that we can trust to have our back at all times, no matter what, no matter who it is. We all want the kind of friends, boyfriends, girlfriends who look out for us in our future constantly. Even if we aren't doing a good job of looking out for it for ourselves. And sometimes that's the case. But wanting to live like this, wanting to live like this, and actually doing it are two completely different things. There are, there are all kinds of emotions and feelings and desires that factor into, into sex, into this topic. In fact, some of you may have acted upon those desires in the past and feelings in the past. Maybe some, some, some of you wish you could have made that decision for yourself. Maybe you didn't get that opportunity because somebody else acted on their impulse. Somebody else acted not caring about who you were as a person. And if that's you, I'm sorry because it's not your fault. And God wants you to know that it's not your fault. But no matter your experience, what I want you to know is that no matter your, pack, your past actions, yours, or someone else's, none of those have to determine your next actions. None of that has to hold you back from the love of Jesus. No matter what, as followers of Jesus, we can, not only can, we should be people of sexual integrity. And here's the thing about sexual integrity. It's not a common term that we use in our everyday lives. Like we've heard integrity before, but we don't walk around talking about, hey, how's your sexual integrity doing, brother? It's just not normal. It's not a common term, but what it means is being trustworthy. It means being honest and looking out for others. The kind of person whose beliefs actually line up with their actions. Because you can say you want to live like that and then do the exact opposite, and that's not integrity. But just like you can be a person of integrity, you know, in school, your family, or your job, you can and should have integrity when it comes to this thing called sex. No matter your past, sexual integrity is more than just, just waiting to have sex after marriage or feeling guilty for it. It's more than that. It's actually choosing to honor God. It's something bigger than just saying, I'm going to do this because I was told I'm supposed to. It's choosing to honor God and others and how you think about, treat, and value the people that you date. It's being a person that doesn't wait because it's the right thing to do. But because you care about the well-being of others and love them more than just a physical impulse. So how, how do we become a person of sexual integrity? How do we do that? How do we go about it? 
here's the thing about integrity. Integrity is about the person that you want to be, who you really want to be. And you can always choose to start living with, with sexual integrity at any time. Even starting right this second, it doesn't matter what your past looks like. Today can be the day. Nothing that you've done or that has been done to you can change that. And you might be thinking right now, yeah, sexual integrity sounds great, man. It sounds really good, but can you just tell me where the line is? Like, just tell me where the line is that I can cross. What's too far? What's not? What's okay? What's not okay? Just give me those, those standards real quick, and then I could probably live this life of sexual integrity. And there are people everywhere who can tell you what that line is, and they'll try to tell you what the line is. I could go into detail about it and make us all really, really uncomfortable about all the things that you shouldn't be doing right now. But I'm, I'm going to spare you of that. Or you could just ask questions. Wrestle with the truth. Listen to older people and wiser people, people who have been through it people who have sexual integrity, people who are in a point in their lives where they want to help you get to that next step because they care about you, not just because they want to see you do the right thing. And then you think for yourself. Choose what kind of person that you want to be. Who do you want to be when you wake up in the morning? Not just a decision about what's right, what's wrong, but choosing to be a person of integrity that actually loves people, because that's what this is about. It's not just rules and standards. It's about caring and loving the people around us. A few steps that I think you can take to kind of help you in that are, is one, Talk to God about who you really want to be. Just talk to God about it. Invite him into your story. Your whole life, even your sex life. You may have never done that before, but I want you to know that he does care. He doesn't hate you for the past. He doesn't hate you for what's happened to you. He doesn't hate you for anything that you've done. He wants to know, and he wants to be there for you, and he cares. And it might seem awkward at first. I mean, it's weird to talk about those things, especially because praying can be weird sometimes. But he loves you, and he wants to show you how to experience life in a way that it's meant to be. A life that isn't full of all of these worries and issues that we weren't supposed to deal with because he set the parameters that were going to give us a life of happiness. And even if you're new to like this, this whole church thing or exploring faith, at least try it. I mean, what do you, what do you really have to lose, right? If he really does lead you to what's best for your sex life, isn't that what you really wanted anyways? So even if you aren't sure, why not try? And the second thing is, 
talk to someone. Talk to someone about how you plan to become that person. That person that you're talking to God about that you want to become. Talk to somebody else. Bring it up with a trusted adult like your small group leader. They're all here for you. They're going to listen. And I get that it sounds weird, but trust me. You won't, you're not going to freak any of them out. You're not. They've been there before. They've all lived their lives. They're here for you for a reason. They don't show up every Sunday night because they get paid. They don't show up every Sunday night because somebody told them they had to. They're here because they want to be and because they care about each and every one of you. Look, integrity is, is rarely something that you feel like you need to hide. Okay? And if, you, and if you feel like skipping this step because you don't want to talk to somebody else or it seems scary or you're not sure about you want to hide the choices you're making, that's not integrity. So the more openly you talk about what you're feeling, what you're struggling with, and how you plan to become the person you really want to be, the more you'll stay focused on becoming this person of integrity in your life. And I get that it's complicated, and it's not the kind of thing that you necessarily want to talk to with just anybody. But that's why we have small groups. We want every one of you to, to have a group of people that you can, you can figure out life with. People that are your same age who are going through the same things that you are. Even when the conversations are personal or weird. And we want you to have a leader that you trust that you can talk to about anything. And that is who your small group leader is. And if you don't feel, if you don't feel comfortable talking in group, I get that. Some of us are really shy. That's okay. But what I ask is that maybe come up to that small group leader and say, hey, can we do a one-on-one -on -one, you know, conversation? Get me or TiVo. We're always, always, always more than welcome to sit down and talk to any of you. Imagine if just accepting this, this invitation of being a person of the sexual integrity led you to a life that's that's better than what you could have ever imagined right now. And if you choose this way of life, you may just find that when it comes to God's plan for sex, there really is more to the story. Let's pray. Lord, we just, I just thank you so much for each student in this room, each leader in this room, every volunteer, every person who sacrifices to be here. And I just pray that tonight you will kind of give us the courage to have tough conversations. Give us the, the ability to see where you want us to be and who we want to be, Lord. And I pray for each and every person in this room that if they're feeling guilt, shame, any of those things, that you'd wash that away so they can take that step forward and be the person that you've called them to be. And we pray this all in your name. Amen.